Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. From inside the warehouse at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, it is the Mass and All Access podcast. Paul Mancano, Bobby Blanco, as always, hello, and hello. now joined by sports director at WJZ, Mark Viviano. Mark, thanks so much for hopping on. Paul, Bobby, good to see you guys. That video introduction was pretty cool. Did you like it? You I'm like not it? worthy, but I'll pretend that I am, and <laughs> we'll have a conversation. Oh, we think you're worthy for sure. It's all good. Yeah. Very much worthy. We'll get you in there at some point. We'll no, I like it just the today. way that it is. <laughs> Very uh, avant-garde, moving, yeah. just eye-catching. Yeah, kind of builds the momentum right into this letdown you're about to get with me. <laughs> it <laughs> only goes up from here. Okay. Yeah. Listen to it a thousand times, then come back to oh, us. Okay. I got then, you. I got exactly. You. It's so, kind of like a... <laughs> yeah, so Mark, we wanted to bring you on here because we are in the midst of a very interesting Orioles offseason right I'll now. Say. And you've spent so many years covering Orioles uh, baseball and, of course, Baltimore sports in general. Mm -hmm. uh, you grew up in Missouri. Mm -hmm. You go to Mizzou. Then you work in Ohio. You worked in Cedar Rapids, correct? I worked in, in uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, mm -hmm. then Dayton, Ohio. Dayton, Ohio. Then came here. Uh, was here for a good stint at WBAL television. Right. Then I went to CNN Sports Illustrated, which uh, predates you young guys. Yeah. <laughs> it, I signed. I actually signed off an entire network. We Really? CNN Sports Illustrated was CNN's sports version. Okay. Um, and I was hired there in 1999. Mm-hmm. And the network signed off in 2002, and I did the last show. It was good night. There will be no tomorrow. <laughs> that <laughs> nice. is it. And then was able, thank God, and, uh -huh. and, and it lined up very uh, fortuitous for me to be back here in Baltimore. And I've been at WJZ now for going on 17 years. Wow. Oh, wow. I'm old, man. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah, amazing. <laughs> so 17 years, it means you've seen the, the best and the worst of the Orioles, at least. Um, Seen a lot. And, and, and in my first time here, I was here from 1994 to 1999 mm -hmm. and was able to cover the two uh, playoff teams in 96 and 97. That, yeah. was, that was a star-studded yeah. team. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. you're talking Hall of Famers. Yeah. Just great baseball. And Camden Yard still had a newness to it. Right. And you add that, the, the greatest ballpark in baseball and – this supremely talented winning ball club that was going to the playoffs. Right. What I'll never forget is we're here at the warehouse was in 96 mm -hmm. when they, I think they won the wild card round or the first round and a, they did an outdoor rally in what is now this, the parking lot. Really? There. And there were thousands of people there and wow. I was on the top of a microwave truck. <laughs> this was just having won the first round right. going into the American league championship series. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, this town was lit. Yeah. I mean, it, it was great. I mean, it was, it was fun. I mean, yeah. you, you know, it, it almost sounds like I'm talking about the old days. Right. Uh, I guess the older I get, you know, the more I actually was a part of the old days. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it really did indicate. And then we obviously with uh, with the Buck Showalter run here, we got another taste of that. Yeah. Uh, everybody will talk about, you know, the, everybody will remember the Delman Young double. And, Game two. And J.J. Hardy sliding into home. That is this generation's moment. Right. You know, yeah. and obviously they fell short against Kansas City, but I'm not going to take those memories away. Yeah. What it's like to have meaningful, exciting, successful playoff baseball in Baltimore. Exactly. Right. And, and you covered, I mean, you've obviously, as the sports director, have covered the Ravens. You've covered college teams but 
they say Baltimore really is at its core a baseball city, and you uh, covered even when the, the team moved from Cleveland over to Baltimore, the, the Ravens way back right. in 95, in you broke that story. But do you still think uh, the, the fans ultimately have kind of more of a, an affection for baseball deep down as opposed to, I mean, the it's, Ravens are like a yeah. second love. It's, 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 I can't say one way or another. Mm-hmm. I would let the fan base and the fans speak for themselves mm-hmm. on that. Okay. Uh, because I hear both ways, to be honest with you. Right. Uh, for the traditional old school Baltimore folks who had some connection, even if it was through their grandparents, of mm-hmm. the Baltimore Colts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's something about that and the aura and mystique and the greatness of Johnny Unitas. Exactly. That has its own place in Baltimore that has some rightfully to whatever you it's like whatever religion you believe. I can't tell you you're wrong, right? <laughs> right. That Baltimore's a football town. Yeah. And for them, and if, if it is for you, then it is. Yeah. Uh, I can't speak for everyone, but to your question and to your point, uh, the baseball affinity and the love for the Orioles, it's clearly there, but it's just a different tenor. Right. Because baseball is different. Right. Yeah. I mean, football is I, – I, I explain the difference between football and baseball, and, and as I cover it, football is a party every Sunday. Yeah. Like, it is an all-out – you know, it's it's just everything poured into three hours, yeah. hair on fire, <laughs> angst ridden, joyful, whatever the outcome is, and you wear it for a few days. Yeah. Baseball is just you go to work every day. Yeah. yeah. You can't afford that craziness. Exactly. Until or unless you make it to October and you're celebrating a championship. Yeah. But so it's such a different feel. It's such a different pace. It's such a different investment. Yeah. Because baseball, I've always said this, and, and I was born and raised in St. Louis. Uh, my father played amateur baseball, and we were the, the bat boys from the time we could walk. <laughs> and I grew up on dusty ball diamonds and loved the game. I have a passion for baseball. Played it well past the time I should have into my 30s and 40s in these adult leagues. Um, but baseball to me, Major League Baseball, it's like real life more. Because yeah. you have to show up and go to work yeah yeah and then when work's over you go home and then you go to work again the next day (laughs) in football like i said you you practice all week for that one blowout party Mm -hmm. and then you wear the 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 success or failure that's not regular life yeah but that's why it is popular because everybody else who's working monday through friday on sunday they just let loose in the stands or at home watching on tv and they're all in and then when it's over they go back to work on Monday. <laughs> yeah. But baseball is, you're just every day, every yeah. day. Here yeah. it is, here it is. And I like that. You know, probably I have the mentality for that, and it equates to one of my other loves in life, which is running. I'm a marathon runner. Yeah. It's, it's similar to that. Just keep going. Just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> it, it may bore the heck out of you for some. Yeah. But it's, if, you're, if you're so wired as to have an affinity for that sort of pace of life and endeavor, baseball is more your sport. Well, that's an interesting way to think of it, too, because – like to your point about the marathon, like we always talk about how the baseball season is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. It's yeah. the grind. You know, it's from mid-February through October if you're lucky enough. And we always talk about that for the players and the coaches, but it's like that for the fans too. You know, it's like unrealistic to think that fans can pack this house to the gill or any stadium across major leagues yeah. every single night throughout right. the entire summer. So it's kind of like, yeah, you have to save your energy 
it doesn't mean you're not less passionate, but you just have to save your energy for the times where you really need it. Opening day, yeah. a big series against the Yankees, September push, yeah, the course, wild card the game, the yeah. playoff games. Yeah. So it's kind of like the same thing for the fan base as is the players. True. And that said, even when you play 162 games, they all count the same. They all right. matter. Yeah. So for those who are playing, that's the grind. Yeah. Is that I've got to be up for this Wednesday afternoon game against the Mariners as much as I am for this Sunday night nationally televised game against the Yankees. Right. right. The outcome, what win or yeah. lose, counts the same in the standings. Exactly. Right. And you got to play 162 of them. So yeah, that, that's that's exactly right. You've got to. You've got to have a different mentality. And, you know, I, I often preach to baseball fans, you know, and, and, they, and it's not, I love the passion. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you have to just throw things out there like this isn't football. Yeah, right. yeah. You, you can't wear any one win or loss like a football loss unless it's exactly. the last game of the season and you just clinched a playoff berth and have, have a party. Yeah. But remember, the last time the Orioles won a World Series in 1983, mm-hmm. they had two seven-game losing streaks. That's crazy. And you, you could have been sure that in the midst of either of those losing streaks, you were sure the world was going to end. Right. But when you play 162 games, a seven-game losing streak, as painful it is as it is because you don't know when it's going to end, mm. it's still a very small percentage of the games you're playing. Yeah, exactly. And there's always the next opportunity to rectify it with a seven-game winning streak or whatever else it is. But that's baseball. It's the ebbs and flows, and it's a long narrative. Yeah. And that's why I always say – you just can't get too caught up. Now, when you get to September and you're 30 games out, well, that, that's, a, that's a different story. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And, Mark, you know the ups and downs and the ebbs and flows up close and personal as well because you were a part-time sideline reporter oh, yeah. here as well. How, does that, how was that experience? How did that shape exactly how you saw this Orioles team, how you saw yeah. the fan base and everything? How was that? That was uh, – whenever you – when you bring that up, mm-hmm. uh, first of all, shout out to my dear friend Amber Theo Harris. The great. Yeah. Just <laughs> awesome. She's awesome. And God bless her. She did it for I, – I don't have her baseball card with me. How many years she did the job? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I was just her fill-in. Yeah. And I recall doing a few West Coast road swings, Seattle, Anaheim – and just from the work point of view, and you talked about the grind, right. as much as I loved it, like th- this, I was in heaven. <laughs> really? But, and I only did, I think, seven or eight games. Okay. And when, that, when we got back here to the ballpark, mm-hmm. it was like three, four in the morning after a West Coast flight. Mm-hmm. I was like, how do these guys do this? Yeah. <laughs> how did she do that? Right. Because you had to show up the next day for another game. Yeah. And another homestand, another series. Uh, but... More than that, you know, my dream, like a lot of guys, maybe you guys could chime in. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, I dreamed of being a big league ball player. Absolutely. Like, that, of course. That's yeah. like your dream. Yeah. Like, I would have loved that that would have been it. Realized pretty early in life that that wasn't too likely <laughs> yeah. for me. I mean, you know, I think I was the backup catcher on my high school team. So I'm probably <laughs> go. not going to go that far with this. Yeah. Uh, so... I got into this line of work because of my recognizing my affinity for the subject matter, right? Baseball, football, basketball, just being around it, talking to the people involved in it, analyzing it, discussing it, reporting it. Mm -hmm. So when I was out, it struck me in particular when I was out in Anaheim doing the sideline stuff on an afternoon in Anaheim. I mean, you could not have painted a more beautiful picture Southern California day. 
and I was on the field with my Masson microphone, and they were going to toss to me for a pregame report. And I just kind of looked around. And I thought of my two brothers because we both had that, you know, that baseball game. I'm like, I'm not playing in the big leagues, but God, this is close, yeah. and this yeah. feels cool. Yeah, you know, and I've always tried to. No matter whether it's something as, as neat as that moment or covering a Ravens game or doing a live report before an Orioles game here at Camden Yards, I owe it to myself and my own well-being to appreciate all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what you guys yeah. are doing now, there are a lot of guys who are watching this you know, from work or at home or wherever going, that's a cool job. <laughs> so you guys got cool jobs. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I, I'm not here to give advice, but... Appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and just, I mean, every day when you when you walk through the door, you're like, I get to do this. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Is there are there grinds to it? Are there, yeah. is there, does it feel like work sometimes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maintain the overall senses. We get to do this. Yeah. You know, and that's so when I was able and had the time and the and the and the invite to do the games for Mass. And one quick story: the first game that I did. Um, I'm going to guess it was back in 2005, I think it was. Anyway, the Orioles were playing the Indians on a Sunday afternoon, and Amber got a day off because, God, she probably needed more than 100 of them, but she got this one day off. So they said, yeah, could you do it? I'm like, oh, awesome. So, at the, so I was reporting from down by the dugout. Okay. And in the, you know, the well there. And it was, again, oh, this is cool. This is fun. This is a dream. As I'm leaving that night, True story, and this is so funny. This little girl comes up to me. She's probably eight years old. And she goes, can I have your autograph? Oh, that's awesome. And I'm looking around like, who set this up? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, cue the girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go ask him for his autograph. Because this is going to be like in his, in his book, in yeah, his movie. You know? scripted, yeah. And I looked at her like, really, honey? I, you know, and I yeah. saw her mom over there. And uh-huh. I was like, yeah, yeah. She was <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I was like, how humbling is that? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh. Oh, that is so cool. But seriously, anyway, uh, I appreciate all of it. Yeah. And I have fun with it. And I'm more and more emboldened to do it well and right. to do it and to be worthy of these opportunities that we have. Yeah. For sure. I mean, Bobby and I haven't been doing this for all that long, but we, I think, have to remind ourselves sometimes to appreciate where you are. I'm, right. I know every time I go home and talk to my dad, who's the biggest baseball fan in the world. And he's a lawyer now, but every day he's, he tells me how jealous he is yeah. that he doesn't get to come to the ballpark every day and have his office here. And it's stuff that you, you need to appreciate. You right. can't forget. So how, how did you guys, how did you get in this? Well, I started as here at Madison as a customer service rep intern when okay. I was a sophomore in college and kind of working my way up. But I grew up in the area. I'm, I'm from Silver Spring. So okay. I grew up an Orioles fan. There was no Nationals there yet. And Kyle Ripken was my hero. Everyone yeah. wanted to wear number eight and play shortstop or third base on my little league teams. And then, um, but when the Nats came, I could not root for a D.C. team because I'm a D.C. guy. But right. I, I come here, I try to catch handful of games at both teams each year mm-hmm. and especially at Camden Yards you know I'll watch with some friends in the outfield and yeah. we'll be like man man you probably are sick of this right I'm like I never get sick yeah. of this view yeah. I mean every time Paul and I have to like walk through the tunnel I'm sure you're the same way for batting practice or in the dugout or go to a pre-game press conference it's just like I honestly get chills because this yeah. is my favorite maybe outside of Coalfield House at the University of Maryland this is my mm-hmm. favorite sports arena in the world yeah. and I get literal chills every time I'm here and I try not to take it for granted so you're going old school Coalfield House Yes, yes. Okay. Like O two, Juan Dixon nice. versus Duke and, yeah. and Steve Blake, the Steel, all that stuff. There you go, because that is like that was predates you, obviously, right. Cole Fieldhouse, because yeah. it's now a football facility. Yeah. But that was a barn, yeah. really. Like, yeah, it was. It was just a big. <laughs> it was. It, it was 
like a hot. day on the day that we're talking, what is it like five degrees outside? Yeah. It would be hot. Yeah, in there. it'd be hot. Right. It would be so hot. You'd in sweat there. and they're just oh sitting gosh. there. And like yeah. other teams, like had to factor that in. Right. Like I never knew like physiologically how that happened. Yeah. That like well, no air conditioning's a start. <laughs> apparently. Yeah. But I mean. Yeah, you, how does it you, get how hot? How does it get that hot? Like, anyway. What was but, it like to cover that? <laughs> sweaty. Brutal. Yeah. I think it was worse gross. if you had a play in it. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But, but anyway, yeah, old school coal field house, the buildings and mm. stuff like that. Now, I, I'm asking questions now. What was your, <laughs> Go for what it. Was your route? Sure. What yeah. was your route here? I, I came here, this is just finished up my third season with Masson. So I started as an intern at Syracuse, and I grew up in outside of Philly. So, so you went to Cuse? Yeah, I did, oh. yeah. Oh, and Bobby renowned big Hughes Terps rivalry right here. Yeah. yeah. Re- renowned journalism. Almost program. as much as the Mizzou no, journalism. No, I, I don't compare. I say if <laughs> there are a million roads to the same place. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah, exactly. So I grew up a Philly fan and um, you know, my I grew up going to games at Citizens Bank Park because it's a little yeah. that I started opened when I think I was nine years old. But it, it I had the same kind of baseball was my first love. And you know, as I've become fans of other sports it always comes back to baseball, yeah. and I, th- I think you kind of hinted at that too with your yeah. own background. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and I, as a as a reporter, as a journalist, mm-hmm. as a TV um, uh, sports director, I love the seasons. I love right. that you know, just like the weather changes, so do mm-hmm. the seasons. Yeah. Although you know, football is almost year round now because yeah. of you know the draft and free agency and mini camps. And exactly. It just goes on and on, which it feeds the beast. Yeah. Because that's people love it. Uh, baseball, yeah, when it comes to, like, I'll be heading down to uh, Sarasota in a couple weeks, mm-hmm. and there's something about that time of year and being there and still knowing there's a long road ahead in the baseball season, but I love the change of seasons, you yeah. know, and then you get into the basketball tournament in March, yep. and then next thing you know, it's opening day, and yeah, I, I love, I love the, the, the pattern. Yep. I love how it works. Yeah. yeah, and at this point, switching over gears a little bit, okay. we're at the end of January now, and yeah. The Orioles uh, haven't obviously made many moves player-wise in free agency, but they've made several huge changes this offseason, yeah. overhauling the management, bringing in Brandon Hyde, bringing in Mike Elias, somebody who has a wider view of, of the Orioles having covered this team for uh, over a decade. What is your thinking about this management and how it compares to the most recent one, the Buck Show, Walter, Dan Duquette, yeah, there's a, there would be a natural inclination to draw comparisons mm. because that's what we do, especially right. when we're observers and we're reporting. Yeah, and, and it's still so fresh. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, there is, it's incomparable. There's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing that I've seen in the now almost 25 years that I've covered the Orioles that parallels what's happening now. Right. Even in the times where there were regime changes, mm-hmm. where there were new management coming in, general manager managers, the the sense of the competition and what needed to be done to continue to compete really was still there was still a belief that there was a shot right this is a long-range picture mm-hmm. and this is i i think it would behoove all of us who observe the orioles from what has happened here in the last several months it is essentially an ownership change as well uh right. the, that that john and lou angelos they are running this ball club. Yeah. Their father did so since 1992, 93. They're running the ball club. Yeah. And, it, and it, the best way to look at that, look at this is it's truly new, it's new from the top. Yeah. And this is this is this is good. This is fresh. This is this is different. Yeah. And 
it, and it is the right time for this to, to usher in what is a completely new management style, mm -hmm. a completely young, uh, avant-garde, you're talking about a, you know, a 36-year-old general manager <laughs> who was steeped in analytics, mm -hmm. yeah. who hired you know, the former NASA scientist who yeah. is brilliant at analytics. I mean, the very fact that they've made these steps is in, indicative of something we've never seen here before. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's what's different. That's what's new. And with that comes a new manager, mm -hmm. an entirely new coaching staff, and several. You're going to see more players in and out uh, than we've seen in some time. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when I was covering the team back, even Andy McPhail referred to it as the dark ages, that sort of that from 2000 to almost 2014, you know, well, 2012, like 2012. Yeah. Uh, that there were a lot of guys coming in and out of here yeah. that you don't even remember half their names. It's I a mean, revolving door. Yeah. It was a revolving door, and just, it was not a good talent base. Yeah. And that's what Mike Elias has said about his number one charge is to elevate the talent level from the bottom to the top. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a years-long project, but it's, that's what you got to do. And, again, this is a guy who's seen it firsthand in Houston um, with a manager who saw it firsthand in, in Chicago with the Cubs. It's a, it's a huge project, but the one thing that the Orioles really have going for them is that baseball fans now are more educated than they've yeah. ever been. They get it. Yeah. They get it. Particularly Orioles fans, they, too. They really they get it. <laughs> now, does that mean they're going to enjoy right. the pain that is, that is endemic with this situation? No, but they get it. Yeah. You know, I, I spoke with some of the executives from the Philadelphia Phillies when they were here in town. Mm -hmm. And as you guys know, a lot of them were here in Baltimore right, prior yeah. to going to Philadelphia. And I asked them about how they weathered that period of time. And you have family in Philly. I do. When here, this Phillies team, you know, they still had some confetti laying around from their last world title. <laughs> exactly. And here they were just being not a very good baseball yeah, team. Yeah, losing 100 games. Yeah. But with a purpose. There was a purpose to exactly. what they were doing. And they said, you know what? We educated our fan base. We let them know what we were doing. Right. And we were saving up for the opportunity to come at it hard and strong mm -hmm. and develop young players. And, yeah, we might lose, but if Nola threw a good game, we knew that's our future. Yeah. And, right. then, and you have to have that, yeah. that, that, that mind frame to it. You have to be looking at it through the right lens. You know, if you, if you lose, you know, four or five in a row, yeah, it hurts, but how are they doing? Right. You know, how's this thing moving forward? How are the guys in the minor leagues coming up? Again, not always. It's not as fun, but there's a there's a process. You hear that all the time. Yep. You know, respect the process. Trust the process. Trust the process. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's what has to be done here. And exactly. again, I'll give the fans credit. We're going to see. They're going to be tested. Yeah. But I give the fans credit. They get it. The fans get what it takes. And it's not as fun, maybe, <laughs> but the payoff can be. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think it's very impressive that like with. From top down, the Angelos is Michael Eyes, Brent High. They've all said like this is the goal. Like we have an end goal that we're trying to, and this is the process we're going through. They're being very transparent with the fan base. Like last year, I think part of the frustration was not that they were losing, but you know, fans were saying, "Well, why are we losing this much with all this talent?" And there's what? What are we aiming for? What are we trying to do here? We we keep losing. Now, I think I agree with you that I think the fans. There is a process. There is an end game. It's like, hey, we're, yes, we're gonna have to accept these losses. This tough times, but in order to get to our end goal, which is, you know, building a basically a whole organization from the ground up again yeah. Yeah. And, and refurbishing. And I think 
I think we will see Orioles fans, now that they know the plan, they're aware of it, they, they see it transpire on the field or in the draft or free agent signing, however it may be, I think you know they will enjoy, not enjoy losing, but they understand it. They'll, they'll yeah. get it, and they'll still come out and support because you're going to be seeing the future of the team this year. Right, and, and, and it's right to lock into the new reality right? and what's going on and what the plans are, and we're going to be seeing it unfold and, and how it develops and the pains and the, and the joys that come along the way. That being said, I'm one to pause for a moment and say where they are and how they got here it's understandable. I think in some ways Dan Duquette on his way out the door gets kind of a bad rap. Yeah. They were darn they had the most wins in the American League for a five year period. Yeah. Yep. And okay, should they have started this process a year earlier? Maybe. Right. Yeah. But they went for it. Yeah. You know, and they you know, they went down in flames, but they went down trying, right? <laughs> exactly, I mean yeah. that's that's what they did. But for that period of time, they over-delivered. Yeah. Because every year we saw the Pocota projections, and the Orioles were going to win 72 games. Exactly. And they won a wild card. Nah, it's a fluke. The next year they're going to win 71 games. And they go 81 and 81 or whatever it was. Yeah. And then they're winning 94, 95 games. It's like, so they, they did well for a period of time in a manner that confounded some people because yeah. Dan was not orthodox by any stretch, but it worked. And that's what's fascinating about sports. We can draw up all of the plans we want. Yeah. We could talk about a rebuild. Yeah. You could talk about any plan that any team in any sport has, and then you got to go play. Yeah. Then you got to go play. Yeah, exactly. And then these guys got to show up, and these human beings actually have to execute these plays, and they have to pitch well, and they have to hit well, and they have to – it all has to happen. Yeah. The, throw the paper out. You got to go out between those lines and show me what happened. And there's no guarantees. There's never right. a guarantee. And we all think we know. Yeah. And we do Pocota projections. We do predictions. I hate predictions. I, like, I, I always get asked to do predictions, whether it's before baseball season or mm. even weekly for football games. I hate it because you know what I like most about sports? I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, the unpredictability. Exactly. Isn't that the best part yeah. about sports? Yeah. We, we can line up all the facts. Yeah. We can line up the likelihoods and the stats and the probabilities and everything. And then, like I said, they got to go play. Yeah. 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 And then some guy has the day of his life and no one expected it. And yeah. then that for me as a reporter, that's the story. Exactly. You know, the unfolding of something we can't, you know, when, when things are obvious and they happen, obviously, nah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's, yeah, it's like cool. It's boring. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's shock. Give, yeah. give me a story. Exactly. <laughs> give me something unexpected. The Orioles for that period of time were unexpected. Yeah. From 12 to 16, that was a ride because it was such a story. Because, you know, we, we hear for years, oh, you can't compete in the American League East. It's not fair. It's not fair. Well, who won the division? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, exactly. how'd they win all those games? Yeah. It can happen. Yeah. Now, flip this page, and now you're on to this rebuild. Mm. It's going to be, you know, it's, it's a different story. Yeah. But God help them. If they do something, <laughs> if they do something in this right. mode right yeah. now, well, that, there's a story, <laughs> right? That's exactly. And, and why heard, not Orioles? <laughs> and you've heard, and we saw here just most recently, mm -hmm. how the Phillies and the Braves they got there faster than anybody thought they would. Yeah, yeah. true. They so, both arrived a year earlier. Yeah, and the Orioles are still in the American League East, and it's probably going to be – I think the hill they're climbing is higher than what anybody else is doing to rebuild. Yeah. 
but they've got the people to endeavor the challenge, so we'll see. Exactly. And speaking of the people, I want to get your first thoughts of Brandon Hyde as a new manager, because you have the front office that you mentioned is very analytical, very sabermetrics, and then they go out and hire a guy in Brandon Hyde that everybody says he's a player's manager. He's very, very relatable. What are your first thoughts about Hyde? First impressions and having had an opportunity to speak with him at uh, at his press conference and a little time afterwards. uh, Yeah, real guy. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, and I think that's, I think there is necessary balance there because like we talked about, it's still people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, and these guys, these baseball players, and again, my, you know, I, I love to be around the ballpark and around the players and see what they go through. Mm-hmm. And again, back to the marathon thing and the grind that mm-hmm. they go through. They spend more time together <laughs> than, you, than they do with their families. Yeah, seriously. And you better have someone that can relate, that can be, uh, you know, have a personality that kind of understands what you're going through or can adjust to who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. And I think Brandon, at least my initial impression, Seems to be that guy. Yeah. Seems to be a real good candidate to be a leader of men who can interact on a personal level. And, I, and I've heard him talking about, you know, some of the influence he got from Joe Madden. Mm-hmm. But Joe was always even. Like, you know, you didn't know if it was a good day or a bad day with Joe. But, you consistent. know, he was just consistent. And yeah. I think that's a good quality to bring to the ballpark for a club with a lot of young guys uh, who are going to be dealing with a lot of learning. Um, Again, we're going to see how it unfolds and how it goes, and God bless him. I, you know, I hope, uh, you know, this is all new to him, too. Exactly. You know, again, you could lay out, you know, he, I'm sure he'll, he'll be, he'll, he's already lined up his, his, his plan of attack and his syllabus, and then, <laughs> and then they're all going to walk out there on the field in Sarasota, and he's going to be like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, got some, is... we got some baseball here. Let's exactly. Do, let's do that. And that should be fun. Exactly. And that should be fun, and hopefully that translates to some success yeah. for them. Well, Mark, hopefully it's a fun season to cover for you over yeah. at WJZ. Thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. Your Twitter handle, at Mark WJZ, correct? Mark WJZ. Uh, Up there right now, some fun for those. uh, I I was in South Florida last week on a Mm. little vacation. I stopped by the old ballpark. I saw that. It's Fort Lauderdale. Oh, nice. Ten years ago. They played their last game there ten years ago. And no one's played there since. It's a ghost. It's really. It looks so creepy. It's like overrun. It's creepy. It is yeah, creepy. It's, it's, creepy. Wow. it's graffiti all over it. But Orioles and Nationals are still on the screen. Really? That was the last game. Oh, that's that crazy. Made. But anyway, I like to get out there and, and share fun stuff like that on Twitter. And yeah. this has been great. I, awesome. I, I listen to you guys. And uh, I didn't even know this was going to be on uh, video. So. <laughs> yeah, Surprise. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's do it. Multimedia. You're always ready for video. So. Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah. yeah. But it's been fun. Awesome. Yeah. Before we let you go, Mark, we got a little bag of nifty what? gifties for you. <laughs> what? Courtesy of our social media director, Olivia Witherite oh, and Masson. Olivia, you Some are stuff. the best. <laughs> For you to take He's home. always looking out for you. Oh, yeah. this is outstanding. Got thank you. Mass and thank swag. you I, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. This is surprise. Thanks for hopping on. And we'll Parting see. gifts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We will see you in Sarasota in just a couple weeks. Can't wait to be there. Awesome. The Mass and All Access podcast. Find us on Twitter at Paul Mancano, at Bobby underscore Blanco. Bobby, where can we hear the Mass and All Access Apple podcast? Podcast, Google Play, SoundCloud, and now Spotify. Awesome. We're on Spotify, so check us out, Mass and All Access podcast. Really everywhere that you can find podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.